True Crime South Africa is published in conjunction with Tiso Blackstar Group, publishers of Times Live, Business Live, Sowetan Live, and others. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of Tiso Blackstar Group or its affiliates. Welcome to True Crime South Africa. I'm your host, Nicole Engelbrecht. Today was scheduled for a spotlight minisode, and usually that would mean that I would discuss some of the cases that have been in the media recently. But today I wanted to focus on just one case, if that's okay. There unfortunately isn't enough information for a full episode on this case, but it does involve a missing child, so I really wanted to bring awareness to it. Before we get into the case, just a brief chat about our Patreon supporters. You guys have shown such amazing support for the show on Patreon that the list of supporters is getting pretty long, which is amazing. But I have to start thinking of different ways to do shoutouts without reading 10 minutes of names. What I'll be doing from now on is mentioning the new Patreon supporters for the month, and then once a month at the end of an episode, I'll give a shout-out to everyone all together. Originally, I said that once we get to 200 Patreon supporters, I would start releasing Patreon-exclusive content. But I think that I might be able to do it sooner than that. So keep an eye on our Patreon channel and our social media, as I might just release something especially for the Patreon soon. The following episode may contain sensitive material, including descriptions of violence, sexual assault, or graphic descriptions of injuries to victims. If you feel you may be triggered by such material, please consider this before accessing our content. To access trauma counseling or services, please see the helpline information on our show notes. Sipa Sikled Lamini disappeared in 2017, and she is yet to be found. Her story really touched me, as did the sweet pictures of her posted on the Facebook page, Help Find Missing Sipa Sikle. Her parents also really stood out as an amazingly strong couple who've waded through the devastation of not knowing where their child is, while still trying to scrape together some semblance of normality. So today I'd like to put the spotlight on this couple and their missing daughter. Let's get into the disappearance of Sipasikle Dlamini. Tapsile Dlamini was in high school when she met Mzolisi Nguana on Facebook. She says it was love at first sight. The couple found out that Tapsile was pregnant in 2014, and she decided to leave school before completing her matric. On the 1st of December 2015, Tapsile gave birth at R.K. Khan Hospital in Chatsworth, to a beautiful baby girl they named Sipasihle. After giving birth, Tabsile went to live with her grandmother in Kwasele on the south coast of KwaZulu-Natal, just inland from Scottsboro. She'd been at home with Sipasihle for a year when Mzalisi suggested that she go back to school and complete her matric. He offered to take Sipasihle and care for her at his home in Kwanyuswa. 
The plan was always for the couple and their daughter to eventually find a home together and live as a family. But Mzlisi didn't want Tabsile to go too long without finishing her matric. So in January 2017, Sipasile went to live with her dad and Tabsile went back to school. Pictures on Facebook of Mzilisi and his little girl during that time are absolutely heartwarming. And you can see that, as young as he was, Mzilisi was a seriously proud and protective dad. During this time, Tabsile would travel the 120 kilometers to visit her partner and daughter once a month for the weekend. The maturity of this young couple really bears mentioning. It would have been so easy for Tabsile just to not complete her schooling, and also for Mzilisi to have manned up in the way that so many others don't, and take responsibility for his child. I can imagine that it must have been extremely difficult for Tabsile to be separated from her daughter for so long. She toughed it out though, and in December 2017, she was getting ready to matriculate. Her grandmother had been missing Sipasihle immensely that year, so as the holidays started, Tabsile arranged to go and collect her daughter from Mzilisi and bring her back to Kwasele for the weekend. The plan was that she and Sipasihle would then head out to meet Mzilisi on the 31st of December to spend New Year as a family. Unfortunately, that wouldn't happen. On the morning of the 31st of December 2017, a friend approached Tabsile and asked her if she'd like to attend a church service at a new church that had opened in the area. Even though it was a last-minute suggestion, Tabsile agreed to go, and a church vehicle picked up her, Sipasikle, her aunt, her friend Tembi, and her children. They arrived at New Apostolic Faith Mission Church in Amandawe, which is only 11 which is only 11 minutes from Tabsile's grandmother's home, at 8am. Tabsile says that the service had already started by the time they got there, so they moved into the church and sat in a few seats that were available in the middle of the hall. During the service, the pastor invited everyone that was new to the church to meet him at the front of the hall so that he could welcome them. Tabsile left Tsipasihle, sitting on the chair with her handbag in her lap, so that she could move to the front of the hall. Tabsile's retelling does not say whether her aunt and her friend Tembi stayed behind or went with her, but she does say that Sipasihle was surrounded by other church members. Tabsile estimates that she was gone for 10 minutes. When she returned, Sipasihle was gone. Her handbag was still on the chair that her daughter had been sitting on, but the little girl was nowhere to be found. Tsapsile remembers immediately going into a panic, because it was not in Sipasihle's nature to wander off. She says that she couldn't remember a single instance in the child's life where she'd gone anywhere without her mother or father. Tsapsile searched the church hall, the toilets, and the yard outside the church. Fellow churchgoers also started to search for the child. 
Tapsila found a group of children playing outside and asked them if they had seen Sipasitle. They had. A ten-year-old among the group said that she'd seen her older sisters taking Sipasitle to buy chips at a tuck shop nearby. Tapsile located the older girls, and they admitted that they'd taken Sipasitle to buy chips, but they'd sent her back to the church on her own, and that was the last time they'd seen her. The police were called, and they immediately brought in dogs to search the area. There was no trace of Sipasitle. The older girls who'd initially told Tapsile that they had been with the child were interviewed by the police, and they quite suddenly changed their story and said they'd never been with her. Tapsile recalls searching the area through the night. As all around her, people celebrated the new year. She had to break the news to Mzalisi that their beautiful daughter had disappeared. Days passed, and then weeks. A huge campaign was launched to distribute pamphlets far and wide, bearing Sipasitle's image. A reward was raised for her safe return, and a Facebook page was launched to raise awareness. The page is called Help Find Missing Sipasitle and is very active. Eventually, part of the money raised would go toward bringing a private investigator onto the case. Brad Nathanson has helped to solve several high-profile cases in South Africa. As is the norm in cases like this, the police started their investigation with the parents and close family. Tabsile and Mzalisi were asked to take polygraph tests. They agreed, and according to Tabsile, they both passed. She says that she fully understands why they had to do this, but she does add that she wishes some of the people present that day had also been asked to take polygraph tests, as she believes that they weren't. There was a decent amount of media attention around the case, and the picture of a smiling Sipasitle would soon earn her the title of South Africa's Princess. Tapsile describes her daughter as an amazingly vibrant child who loved to sing, play and dance. Her father remembers that as soon as she could talk, she started to come up with her own songs, and when he realised that they were often about him, he couldn't have been prouder. Tabsile says that even at such a young age, Sipasihle was known for speaking her mind, and she was spoiled and adored by both her parents. The disappearance of Sipasihle Dlamini remains a mystery. She was three years old when she went missing in 2017. She was wearing a pink dress with white stripes and white shoes. As at the release of this episode, she remains missing. In the years since their daughter's disappearance, Tapsile and Umzalisi have beaten the odds. While most parents of missing children find the pressure of their undefined loss too much for their relationship to bear. This young couple stuck it out. On the 24th of November 2018, they cemented their relationship in marriage, and in March 2019, they welcomed a new addition to their family. Their son, Piwe Kuchle, 
has been told that he has a sister, and that one day they will all be together again. As I scrolled through the social media trails of this case, it became clear that many amazing relationships have been formed around the search for Sipasihle, and the couple receives emotional support from many South Africans who are equally desperate to find their princess. Tsabsile and Mzilisi are a special couple, not just because of what they've been through and continue to go through, but simply because of who they are as people. Tsabsile is strikingly beautiful, and she holds her pain inside, which seems to be accentuated by the grace with which she carries herself. Mzilisi is a very talented artist, and has drawn some striking and haunting portraits of his missing daughter. The couple have been called to mortuaries on several occasions throughout the years when bodies of children have been discovered. Most recently in 2018, the body of a young girl was found in Whitbank and police suspected it could be Sipasihle. Tabsile and Mzalisi travelled from KZN to Whitbank and Tabsile describes it as a horrifying trip. She recalls panicking at the thought that she might soon be looking at the body of her baby. The child's face did look very similar to Sipasihle, she says, but she didn't have the birthmark that her daughter had been born with on her upper right arm. And overall, the parents knew that the tiny body before them, although someone's baby, was not theirs. Tabzile says that the bodies she's had to look at throughout the years have traumatised her. She says that especially the child in Whitbank has stayed in her mind. Every time she closes her eyes, she sees the child's body. The couple's DNA has now been added to the DNA registry so that, should remains be recovered in the future anywhere in South Africa, testing can be done to determine whether they belong to Sipasihle. I contacted Brad Nathanson Private Investigators while I was researching this case to see if there was anything they wanted to add. They said that there was unfortunately no new information in Sipasihle's case, but noted that the case haunted everyone in their office. The most recent development for them was in May 2019, when they were sent photographs of a little girl who closely resembled Sipasihle. Unfortunately, it was later confirmed to not be her. In an article, Brad Nathanson was quoted as saying that, without physical evidence to prove that Sipasihle is no longer alive, he continues his investigation on the premise that she is alive somewhere. He describes the difficulties in the case by saying, quote, Where the family come from and where she went missing is very rural, so there's this dynamic where people don't want to talk or their memories seem to have failed. It's a very puzzling case. We pray for her every day and we're working to find her. End quote. Lieutenant Colonel Fani van Dieventa Section Commander of the Bureau for Missing Persons, said that in most cases he dealt with, the kidnapper was a relative or family friend. Quote, 
it is almost always someone who knows all the details and routines of the victim. Kidnapping, from my experience, is not an opportunistic crime, but a well and efficiently planned crime. End quote. I think that this notion is well supported by many of the kidnappings of children that we've seen solved. It is not often apparent, but it is very often an uncle or a step-grandparent, a friend of the family or a neighbour. What makes Sipasihle's case strange is that she wasn't supposed to be at the church that morning. It was the first time they'd been there, and it was a spur-of-the-moment decision. So who would have known she was going to be there? Added to that, who would have known that Tabsile would have been called away for a period of time to create the opportunity to take the child? I'm sure that these are all questions that the police, as well as the private investigators, have asked in the investigations. The fact that Sipasihle was surrounded by people when she was taken makes it even stranger. Could it really be possible that no one saw anything? Or is it, as Brad Nathanson says, a matter of a rural mindset, protecting their own? The older girls changing their stories bothers me as much as it does Tabsile. In my opinion, there was a grain of truth to their first story, and when the police started asking questions, they panicked and clammed up. I don't know whether they would have had anything to do with the child going missing, or if they very simply walked her to the tuck shop and sent her back alone, as they said they did. Something that strikes me as odd is that many articles, as well as Sipasihle's missing poster, say that she was playing outside the church when she was taken. But that is not the official story, and that is not what Tabsile said happened either. Did a child see Sipasihle sitting on her own and invite her to play, and she was taken from there? Is that why alarm bells didn't go off for the people around her? If we consider the worst-case scenario, that Sipasihle was taken by a person with evil intentions, and she is no longer alive, would her body not have been found by now? Whoever took Sipasihle had 10 minutes to get away, but the tracking dogs did not get a track on her, so that tells me that she may have been taken in a car, and unfortunately, that leaves us with the possibility that she is no longer in KZN, or perhaps even South Africa. Tabsile says, quote, It is painful not knowing who has my child, and if she's being well looked after, I pray and plead to anyone who has her or knows anything to contact the police. End quote. She regularly posts on social media that she feels like she will never be whole without knowing where her child is. Mzalisi appeared on Carte Blanche in 2018 when the investigative journalism show covered Sipasihle's case. Shortly after one of the many body identifications, the couple has had to do. They recorded the following audio, which they released on the Facebook page. The audio is a bit rough, and I've done my best to clean it up. I will warn you that it is very difficult to listen to. 
the father of CPC fair, the child that is missing, um, this is her mom, Sapsili Damini. Early today, uh, we were at the mortuary because that we heard from the police that there is a child that is uh, that meets her profile, and we had to go there to see for ourselves to identify the body. Uh, it's been it's been a very hard time, you know. Uh, Something that we never thought of uh, losing a child. Uh, he's still missing, and we still need everyone's help. Uh, people have been so supportive. Uh, we really appreciate that uh, the support you guys have been giving us. We still need your support, your prayers, because CPC is still out there missing. Yeah, he uh, just needed a home. Whoever took CPC, can you just please bring her there? <laughs> Yeah. So please, guys, please, uh, we, we need your help. Yeah. Whoever has seen her or heard of anything about her, we need your help. Right? Please, please help us. Just keep my Some may question why I needed to play that. Well, I think sometimes we get caught up in the posters and the words on the page, and we forget that there are real people behind these cases. That is the sound of a mother who is living in hell. And that is what the person who took Sipasikle is causing every single day. If you were in that church that day, and you were just not speaking out because of some sort of community loyalty or distrust of the police, please listen to that again and ask yourself if it's worth it. This is not about protecting neighbours or friends. It is not about your opinion of the police. It is about that audible expression of complete devastation. Sipa Sikhle Dlamini needs to come back to her family, and whether that means that her remains are uncovered, or a beautiful living girl is returned to her rightful place, it needs to happen. Sipa Sikhle Dlamini had just turned three when she was taken. Today, she would have just turned five. Please study her picture, and realize that she will look a little different today. She will still have her birthmark, though, on her upper right arm. If you suspect that Sipasitle is living in your community, or you have information that could lead to a resolution in this case, you can contact your nearest police station, the Umzinto police station, on 039-974-9535, or Brad Nathanson Investigators, on 83 2502007 Please let 2020 be the year that reunites a family with their missing child. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on the app that you're using to listen right now. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by going to our Patreon page, 
or by using our PayPal link, both of which I will include in the show notes. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'll be back next Friday with a full episode. Until then, thank you for your support, and I'll chat to you soon.